This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening in, as always, today on Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics today, which is wine, and specifically uh, biodynamically uh, grown wine. And my guest to talk about that topic with me is Katrina Fetzer, who is the Director of Sales and Marketing of Ciego Vine Garden. Katrina, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Well, it's certainly our pleasure, and your father's name and the Fetzer name in general has come up. Uh, we've had a few conversations. I, I spoke with uh, Bonterra uh, and also uh, talked to organic vendors, and so we've, we've t- talked about um, organic wines and non-sulfite wines and biodynamic farming's come up, and, and your, your father's name is uh, kind of very strongly associated with that. He's a, considered a real pioneer, and so we, we wanted to have you on the program to just tell us a little bit more about both the company, uh, the, the winery, Ciego, but also biodynamic um, uh, farming practices as it applies to vineyards. Wonderful. No, we're very excited to be here. Yeah. Well, why don't we just start by just telling me about, I understand that your dad sold the Fetzer name about eight years ago or so and then st- started Ciego. Can you tell us about why he did that and the history of you know Ciego, what that's all about? Yes. Uh, actually, to kind of even back up a little bit, with uh, Fetzer Vineyards, it was uh, originally started by my grandparents, and my father is one of 11 children. Wow. So, big family. Yeah. And, you know, they really moved uh, from uh, into California, into Mendocino County, in the late 50s, and bought a ranch uh, in Redwood Valley. And uh, during that time, uh, my my uh, grandfather wanted to keep the kids out of trouble, so pretty much uh, looked at farming and <laughs> what they had growing on the property. And at that time, it was a lot of diversity with, you know, my grandmother would make her own cheese and butter and like, grow wheat and um, had different, uh, you know, varieties of apples and fruit trees and, you know, uh, livestock as well as grapes on the property. And so through that and them farming um, just in taking care of the land and they would sell some of the, the grapes to local uh, winemakers and they started you know doing really well with the, the products and so my grandfather at that time said you know well maybe we should look into it and 68 was our first commercial release with Fetzer Vineyards um, with about 2,500 cases and uh, through that all 11 children did work um, in the business and built it up uh, to when we sold in uh, 92 to Brown Foreman Corporation, we were making a little over uh, two and a half million cases of wine. Mm-hmm. And for us, organic um, you know, growing has been a very important uh, within our own family because they were the ones in the vineyards. And my dad being seven years old when he first started you know, growing grapes, you see the whole transition and going from, you know, as I mentioned before, with the, all the even plant diversity and animal integration in the beginning to more of a monoculture and still farming um, organic, uh, at least 
you know, before the herbicides and pesticides were introduced, and then with the the small amount of years that they did, you know, really bring that in, my dad always mentioned it was like a wonder drug. You put it on and cut their workload in half, and it was great, but they started seeing the, the land change um, in an environment that they decided they didn't want to work in, and at that time is when we went to um, what is now uh, considered organic farming. Um, when we sold Fetzer Vineyards in 92, we were farming over 1,200 acres certified um, organic at that time. And what, what did that represent as a percentage of the total that you were doing at the time? Do you yeah, know? I'm not, I, I'm not sure on that uh, to give a direct answer. Okay, that's okay. I was just curious mm-hmm. of, you know, how, how it had taken over at that point or if it had. So well, I know right, we, and right before we sold as well is when we created Bonterra, which was um, strictly, you know, uh, organic wine mm-hmm. that we were, you know, at least using organically grown grapes. So this was this was quite a revelation at the time because this wasn't on really on a lot of people's radar screens. Exactly, and I, you know, and again, it comes back to just having so many children working in that environment and seeing it themselves, and them choosing to want to work and maybe put a little bit more work into it or thought um, into their farming. To where they were happier in the long run, and so it, it, I think the and I'll talk about it. it. It'll keep coming up even with the idea of biodynamic farming, is that it really is about a lifestyle, and it's what you're choosing to do for yourself. For yourself and your family, in yes. this, yeah. So, well, tell us a little bit. Tell us a little more about that. I mean, how you know, you know, expand on that. So, really, um, when we sold Fetzer, like I, I mentioned in '90. Uh, two, we signed an eight-year non-compete, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and during that time we couldn't commercially make wine, um, and, but we could still grow grapes, and so my father, Jim, uh, bought a piece of property in between um, Hopland and Ukiah, Mendocino County, um, the McNabb Ranch, and that's really where we started looking into biodynamic farming, and it was our first uh, just Diego um, ranch where uh, not involved with all 11 children it's, it, it, you know he started it himself and now myself um, my brother Barney and my sister Andrea all work with him on the now, project. just for Katrina just for people that haven't maybe listened into the Bonterra podcast mm-hmm. or the organic I don't think in the organic vendors we got into biodynamics but or haven't read the article on our site or been to your site can you give us a quick sort of definition technical definition of what biodynamic farming is I will try, definitely. Quick is always the, <laughs> the interesting word, right? Um, where we, uh, we really look at biodynamic farming, it was developed by an Austrian philosopher uh, named Rudolf Steiner um, in the late, um, oh God, I think it was like 1929, I believe. And really what it does is it holds the same principles as organic farming, um, but it actually, biodynamic farming predates organic by about 20 years. And you really, we like to look at it as six elements and to really have somebody understand in their mind. And um, with biodynamic farming, we don't use any herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, the same as organic. But you're really looking how do we continue to move forward and try to emulate nature as much as possible to create a self-sustainable environment. And, you know, with that, we'll look at, we have to, to incorporate in crop rotation and having vineyards it's not necessarily a crop we pull out every year and and plant another one in its place and uh, you know because you really have to have a vine you know it 
planted for at least, you know, four years before you get um, a harvest off of it. So we really work with looking at soil analysis and what nutrients our soils are needing and using the cover crops within our vineyards. And that is a way that we can really do that crop rotation. So say you might need more nitrogen within your soil, you can plant a form of legume um, or less nitrogen like a ryegrass. So we try to balance and look at what it needs on a natural level and give that to or deplete it out of the soil. We also will incorporate in um, wildflower mixes and you know maybe every third row where I'll go in and we'll have an event and it's a perfect place to get fresh cut flowers and you'll walk out there and I come back and I'm covered in ladybugs and it's beautiful I mean you're, it's a great environment to, to be involved in and so the, you know crop rotation is a really important element we try to also um, incorporate in habitat corridors along our creek beds to draw in beneficial insects, uh, insects or to provide a natural habitat for the pests. So you don't necessarily want to get rid of all your pests, but if you can live and learn to live with them and provide a plant that they would rather have than our vine, then it makes sense. Right, right. That's basically equilibrium with the ecosystem, exactly. flora and fauna. Exactly. And so, so then besides the, the crop rotation, we have to have plant diversity on the farm. And so our main farm center, um, Ciego, is um, right on Clear Lake. We have about 160 acres and three-fourths a mile of lakefront. And on that property, 160 acres, only 70 is planted with vineyards. Hmm. So it's, it can kind of show you a perspective. And we do, you know, lavender fields and make our own essential oil out of it. It, it also, lavender is a wonderful um, crop that we can plant in areas that we don't want to put up deer fencing because the, the deer, they don't eat the lavender, oh, okay. which is nice. So we can leave a lot of natural riparian and then plant a, a plant like lavender where we can utilize it for ourselves with um, getting this essential oil. We do olive um, orchards and uh, incorporate in some walnut trees and have you know, about five acres of gardens that you know, also have like uh, fruit orchards and really try to you know, bring in other crops onto the property, which also gives a great, you know, environment for us to work with and have other products um, to really, you know, sustain ourselves off of and eat, you know, from. But it also allows, if you do have a pest problem and it goes through and it hits another crop, it helps contain any, you know, future problems that you might have right. within that, that one area. Okay. So, um, and then... Animal life is very, very important to, to in biodynamic farming, and so we um, we really utilize uh, sheep and chickens. Um, they're actually the animals are probably one of the funnest part of, of biodynamic farming. You know, we have these little portable chicken houses we call egg mobiles. <laughs> <laughs> they fit about 40 chickens per hut, and say you have um, a pest uh, like a cutworm that can come up um, in the springtime and in your vineyards and you bring your chickens into the vineyard where you're seeing this happen and they work all day long 
and they'll, they'll take care of it. Exactly. As know? the owner of four chickens, I can I can attest to that fact. <laughs> <laughs> they, they will take care of that problem. You know, my dad always jokes. He goes, you know, what better workers? And they even paying me an egg. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's a good deal. And I, I give them, you know, you give them a, your stale bread from the night before, and they couldn't be happier. Exactly. And in fact, the scratch is no good after you give them the bread. They're like, I'm not going to eat this now. It, it upgrades their treat level. I know. Well, we um. We actually are working with this certifying company um, called Certified Humane for our chickens. And, you know, we don't sell the eggs or, or anything at this time, but we um, like to support organizations that we really find uh, are important. And, you know, the, this group, um, you know, that looks at the certifying humane uh, aspect of it, certifies the, the animal from when they are born to whatever their, you know, life is uh, passes on a natural level or you know, is for or food consumption. But the inspector came out, and she started laughing, and she looks, and she goes, you know, I think these are the happiest chickens I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know, they, they rule the property. But it, it gives such a great feeling, you know, to have animals around. And then the, the sheep are brought into the vineyard, really, when um, our cover crops are getting... Um, you know, we, we, our vines are dormant and they're growing up and the sheep come through and they mow through the cover crops and eat and their droppings help with, a, the, you know, fertilizing the soil. And we really don't work, you know, worry about um, compaction of the soil because we'll go back through and, and spade the soil and aerate it. Um, but it's a way to also take that green manure from um, all the plant uh, vegetation and really break that up too and get it into the soil. It's amazing because, you know, it's really just a return to nature and what nature provides anyway, and it's just being applied in, you know, a commercial setting here, but it makes perfect se- perfect sense. And, you know, some of the critics of, well, not critics, but people who would say, point out possibly disadvantages of biodynamic farming is that, you know, the limited yield, and it's like, well, that's the point, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that we're not supposed to strip mine the land, monoculture everything to produce massive volumes that upset the equilibrium of our planet. That's why we're in this problem in the first place. Exactly. I mean. <laughs> You know, so yeah. But it's really also looking to be a good farmer. And, you know, for us, there is other elements. And, you know, for those listeners who, you know, have studied biodynamics and, you know, or have read um, a little or heard a little bit about it, you know, the, the, the topic that's most widely written about is we have to do two T's a year, um, our 501 and 500. And your, five, oh, your 500 is, your, is a female cow horn that we end up taking and we place um, manure within it and we plant them um, in the ground between your fall and spring equinox so during your winter month cycle and during this time the that uh, manure really turns into this really rich compost um, full of microbial life and you know there's been studies done and where they've taken the same manure and put it in maybe a jar or some kind of a crock and placed it within the ground as well. And the number of microbes is always higher within the horn, and we really don't you know, know exactly why, but we know it's working. Mm-hmm. And then we take this, this uh, beautiful manure, now compost, that has incredible smell when it comes out. You just, like, it, it, it's beautiful. And mm-hmm. we mix it with 60 gallons of 98-degree water for an hour, and you create these vortexes, and then they spin them for about a minute, and then chaos and spin in the opposite direction for a minute and keep repeating for the hour um, period. And it multiplies the number of microbes, uh, they say, about almost three generations. 
Huh, interesting. Now, how does somebody who's interested in biodynamic farming, whether it's in a vineyard setting or otherwise, learn more about this? You know, there's some wonderful books um, out there. And also, to me, I always, you know, recommend looking, you know, and reading um, or finding out what's going on from the Biodynamic Farming and Gardening Association. Uh, Demeter is our third-party certifier um, here in the U.S as well as if you have an opportunity to really go to a lecture. To me, that's really, or ideally, even that, you know, uh, the ideal way is to actually visit a biodynamic farm where, Diego, we are open to the public. Okay, I was just about to ask you that. And you really are able to visually see how all of these elements that I'm talking about come together and work. You know, and, and, you know, as I was talking about the, the 500, really to, to kind of get back and just say one last thing about it is that is a tool after you have this beautiful tea um, full of microbial life. Now you're putting it onto the property and onto like maybe right before we turn our cover crops under. And, you know, you maybe spray it every third row. So you're really just adding nutrients back to the soil. Right. And so that's what it's about. It's about how do we continue to build soil life because it's not just looking at a grape and we're looking at how things are interacting above and below because they all come back and, and affect this product. Do you find, is it very difficult to, to maintain these practices and manage a, a farm this way? For us, uh, we were, you know, we've been very fortunate not only um, to have eight years where we weren't producing a product, uh, but we were selling the grapes. And so it allowed, you know, for us to the transition time and really to work and organ, learn and organize our farm in a proper way to where all of these elements are very easily put together now. And now with uh, having our Diego property in Lake County, which we purchased that um, ranch in 2001, we built it from the ground up, so we were able to design it to where things are very functional. Mm -hmm. Because on a farm, that's the most important thing. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. you got to (laughs) produce. That's why they call it produce. (laughs) Um, I'm curious about how how is your wine, the organic wine you produce based on this biodynamic farm, how is it different than other certified organic wines that are out there? Well, because, um, as I mentioned, Demeter uh, is our certifying company. Um, And when we are certified biodynamic, you, um, we also are certified organic. So um, you automatically get the organic certification with it. Uh, it takes, if somebody is going through a transition um, from organic into biodynamic, I believe it's about two years um, through the certification process before you're actually certified. Okay. Um, so on, like for us, it's a way to, to recognize it is and more and more you'll see wineries coming out that actually put uh, the Demeter logo on the back label or on the front label. I know um, currently out today, there's ourselves that we utilize it um, on the label. Uh, Benzinger does a few of their wines with um, the Demeter logo on it, um, as well as Fry uh, Vineyards. and Quivera? Quivera does exactly as well. Um, coming up, you're going to see it's actually really an exciting time for the biodynamic uh, community because there's more and more producers that are in larger producers that are getting into it. Ciego, we only do 8,000 cases. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's actually not... So we're, we're small. Yeah. Um, where, like, Gurgich Hill, 
Um, it will be coming out, I think, with their 07 vintage, um, everything certified biodynamic. Oh, I didn't Bonnie know that. Bonnie Doom is a really, um, uh, Randall Graham is a big supporter and really put, making a push to I, it. So I know Randall very well, <laughs> old, old client of mine from my, my IT days, actually. I used oh, to go down go. there and hang out with those guys in the hills of Santa Cruz. It was oh, fun. I know. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, so just uh, we only have a little bit of time left, and I want I have a couple more questions mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about. And um, you answered one of them about the case production. I'm also curious about certain varietals, you know, certain grapes doing better in biodynamic uh, far- farmed vineyards versus others. Is that the case? You know, I that's probably one of the biggest questions I get. You know, is really what you know is it, is it either you know um, better quality or you know, what what does better in certain areas. And it really comes back, first of all, and most important is you knowing your land and picking the right piece of property as a farmer and knowing what varietal to plant or varietals to plant on that property. And that that doesn't matter if you're, you know, uh, farm conventionally, you know, organically or biodynamically. And what we always look at is, for us as a biodynamic farmer, we do this because we feel it helps us be the best farmer we can be. It helps keep us in this mindset of looking at everything and minimizing inputs onto the property as much as possible and really trying to create um, a product and grow grapes that will really express where we're growing it the most and bring balance naturally. Okay. For us, that's really what it is. And hopefully at the end, it's a product that, you know, uh, it truly expresses where it comes from. Right. And can you, to the specifics of the, uh, in the, the varietals, the grapes you're growing, can you tell us which ones you're currently doing? Yes. We, um, the Sauvignon Blanc um, from our Lake County property, it's uh, actually one of our most well-known wines. And uh, Chardonnay, that's done in a... Um, non-malolactic style, so very clean, very, both of them are looking more to the tropical uh, fruit side of it, uh, very pretty. And we do uh, Merlot and Cabernet um, are the four main that you find within the marketplace. So we do do smaller production wines, like a few hundred cases of uh, Cab Franc and Melbeck or um, a winemaker's blend and, and some other fun stuff that's just sold wine redirect or um, only offered, offered through our wine club um, per se. And, and uh, we should mention, as long as you're mentioning the wine club, and I've been remiss in not mentioning the website, I'll mention it at the end too, but it, also to spell the name of the, uh, the winery is C-E-A-G-O. Exactly. And C-E-A-G-O dot com is is the site. So and so is it is it is Pinot impossible to do biodynamically? No, actually we uh, my my cousins grow a beautiful uh, a Pinot or Pinot Noir biodynamic out of Red River Valley, but they currently aren't producing it themselves. And um, you know, maybe down the road we are in talks of hopefully being able to make it from their grapes. Oh, well, keep us posted on that. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, the way they are expressed is just uh, very ideal. We used to make it from them, but uh, my my uncle um, Bobby actually uh, unfortunately passed away about a year and a half ago, and so his uh, two sons are you know refocusing back. They also do a beautiful. Um, 
have a cattle ranch, organic cattle ranch up in uh, northern Mendocino County, too. Okay. And I had one more question before we're out of, out of time, um, which is just about education. How are you guys uh, educating wine consumers about your wines and, and biodynamic farming and so forth? Uh, is it mainly just the website, or are there other, other ways as well? We really, for us, uh, education is the top priority um, because when you really look at it and see it, that's the best way to really interact with uh, biodynamics and understanding. And it's fun. So website, we do put as much beautiful you know, material on there as possible um, for people to read as well as if you go to, um, you know, to come and visit Ciego. Um, personally, is what I always recommend. Great. Well, and I have to say, and if anybody who's been to the website, you can see the pictures on there. You can see the sheeps roaming the rows of vineyards, and um, you know, there's a lot of people out there in the, in the world of marketing that want to sort of put their put a label over their name and say, you know, uh, we're, we're biodynamic or organic, whatever whatever it means. And it, it, we really appreciate the the wealth of information uh, that you bring to this particular field and, and subsection of the winery industry, and certainly for coming on and sharing that with our audience today. So um, again, my guest today has been Katrina Fetzer, who is the Director of Sales and Marketing at Ciego, Ciego Vine Garden, and you can find them online at ciego.com. Again, that's C-E-A-G-O.com. Katrina, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.